0: Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast, Snap, Crackle and Cheap
1: Pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. That's right, ladies and gents, it's another episode of the Pro Wrestling For You podcast, Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops. I'm, of course, Mr. Phil Woodvine, and I've got a very special guest on today's show. Someone I've been looking forward to speaking to for a very long time, trying to get him on this podcast, He's a very busy guy. He's all loved up. He's got kids, and he works. He lets you ticks every single box. He's been a referee. He's been a, a bit of a manager. He's been a co-broker. He's done it all in a very short space of time. So, please welcome to the show, Mister Johnny Goodman. Johnny, how the devil are you doing? I'm absolutely
0: fantastic. Thank you very much for having me, Phil. I was expecting um, some sort of like cheer or like chorus or fanfare, then, but. You don't have a, like, any sound effects for me or anything?
1: No, no, we, we, we do all that in post-production. We've mate, we've got radio jingles that we've started to kind of put onto the shows now. We've got like an intro and an outro. It's an actual cheesy radio-like jingle like you'd hear Sixth on your It's 6 and aim, I suppose, isn't it? It's all about cheap pops. Well, exactly. I mean, mate, they were fucking ace. It was like 33 quid for free jingles. I was like, okay, let's see how they come out. And they were really fucking good. I like, love good jingle fucking well. well well originally it was me doing the intro so it's just me trying to do the show and then if we come up with certain stories or scenarios or banter or whatever i'd then do an intro in post-production you, know, oh, you know, keep listening because we're going to talk about yeah this this and this and then i like i hate the sound of my own voice at the best of times like most hate people do the- hate the sound of your voice phil yeah that's that's fair enough <laughs> <laughs> I can't even argue. Literally, cannot argue. But yeah, we, we, we're smashing out with these radio jingles. So even though it doesn't sound all, you know, fancy now, it will do when this goes out. So I promise you, we will tidy you up a little bit. You could have done it yourself, like a mouth organ or something. Like... <laughs> I mean, me and mouth think... organ. I mean, somewhere Kim rocks. Her ears are like burning. Mm. So, Phil's I just don't... talked about something. We're not the
0: only thing that's burning, to be fair. <laughs> Uh, Kim, if you listen, no, to she's this gone, pack, she's gone straight been... now. Isn't she, she's gone CM Punk. she's straight edge society now. Um, I,
1: I, I is she? I mean, not in terms of booze. Surely, I mean, I've got her a big bottle of gin for Christmas and a birthday. So, no, I mean, just, like, she's, she's left,
0: left a... that that slut life behind
1: her. <laughs> Hashtag slut life. Sorry, yeah. Kim. When you listen to this back, we, we we do apologise. I haven't spoken to her for ages either, so I feel really bad that
0: I can just like start like. Given all the banter when she's like, Well, we don't even speak
1: anymore. We can't even say that to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean all of a sudden she's she's from Essex, judging by the sound mm-hmm. of you. I mean, uh, I mean let us be honest, we've all we've all done a bit of slut life. We've all, you know, everyone's single lives, early yeah. doors. No. We've all we've all done stuff we're not proud of. Well, that's a different matter, but slut life, no. Things <laughs> I'm not proud of, plenty. <laughs> Oh, Kim, when you listen to this back, seriously, we do apologise. But you know what? You actually said um, a good thing before we even started recording. You said, we've not spoken to each other for like a little while, but we can pick up right where we left off. Kim's the same. Little, little while is a bit of an exaggeration.
0: It's been like, I've not spoken to you since lockdown. That's been like nearly a year, so. Yeah. Even Jay Apter had the decency to give me a phone call a couple of months ago to check in how I was. You, nothing. Just this now, just. For your own gain.
1: Oh, I'm Ooh, such come a, on a and...
0: podcast or Nobody else is going to do it.
1: <laughs> Scraping the barrel. Um, well, you know, anyone, any self-respecting person, uh, they won't have anything to do with me. So, uh, True that. Yeah, it says all, really, doesn't it? It says all, yeah, mate. It does. Uh, but we, we are going to talk about some really, really cool stuff today. Because, like, I am going to blow a bit of smoke up your arse. You've done a lot in a short space of time. I did. I'm looking back your, through people, it today. you give yourself credit for that? Do you look at that and go, yeah, you know not. what? That's, that's really quite a fucking lot. I mean, give, give me a little timestamp. So when uh, like I remember seeing you in the audience at a Britannia wrestling show, I think, is it Denby? Because that mustache yeah. that you had stuck out. Like, I thought it was stuck on. Like, it looked, it was that <laughs> impressive. I'm you were, to... like, the most <laughs> disguise. Bill the Butcher from um, Gangs of New York. Like, it was, yeah, it, you're like a cartoon villain. Like, you should have had, like, a newspaper in front of you pretending to read it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so give me some little timestamps. So uh, when, when did you get into this wrestling business?
0: In terms of uh, started watching wrestling or wanting to sort of take it Take it up as a bit of a hobby/slash
1: career. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to imagine that you are a wrestling fan early doors, like as a kid, you've kind of got that about you. I mean, yeah, would that be right? Yeah, my first sort of
0: like meaningful bit of wrestling that I remember watching. Um, my dad used to record the wrestling on Channel 4 back in the day, it used to be on Sunday nights, didn't it? They used to have like Royal Rumble and stuff on and that kind of stuff. And the first event I ever remember watching fully was Royal Rumble 2002. And it was the Cactus Jack uh, Triple H match, the uh, the street fight that I just remember watching over and over and over again. I absolutely loved it. Um, the Royal Rumble that year, I can't remember who won it, 2000. All the marks going to be kicking off going, how does he not know this? <laughs>
1: um, I believe uh...
0: it was... Uh, but it was 2000 rather than 2002 2000 sorry yeah um, I'm going to go out on a limb
1: I think it might have been the big show for some reason No it was uh, It came down to the rock and the big show And uh, like they'd turn it into a story Where the rock's feet had it at the floor But like he rolled back in And that like, sort of thing you know. Yeah
0: but, um, Yeah I just remember that event Not so well obviously But just being the, the moment that I was like Yeah this is fucking awesome. I loved it. Oh, uh, since 2000, I'm... then it's sort of like growing up, my dad had tape the odd events that were on Channel 4, but it wasn't until sort of mid-teens, 14, 15, that I got into it religiously. Uh, I used to go to a mate's house, a couple of doors down they had Sky, we were underprivileged council estates, type of shit, but they got the the kids next door had Sky, so I befriended them quite quickly, I was like, yeah, get something out of this (laughs) Um, and yeah, we used to watch every single event every single pay-per-view that was on on box office, uh, on Sky, whatever it was on at the time and religiously would stay up you know, you know the score, I don't need to explain to you or to anybody that's listening, you know, what the kind of stuff that we do as wrestling fans, you know, with the time difference in America and here, you, you sacrifice a lot to watch these events. But yeah, uh, growing out of teen years into sort of adulthood as such, um, I, I sloped off a little bit uh, towards sort of like, I'm trying to think what year it was. I can't remember. You know, you know what it's like? You fall in and, in and out of level wrestling, don't you? Yeah. You watch it consistently, then you don't. And you get back to it. But then I remember just going, uh, started working in a kitchen in now, uh, one of my first work placements. And they had uh, an order board with like spikes on it that you stick each order on when it comes in. And I always remember a bikini picture of Trish St- Stratus stuck behind it and the <laughs> screws were screwed back in. And I was like, oh my God, why is there a picture of Trish Stratus here? And it turned out like the head chef was absolutely obsessed with wrestling. And that got me sort of back into it. I was absolutely like obsessed with it again. We'd talk about it consistently, be watching Raw, be watching SmackDown every week. And yeah, it was just from that point onwards, it was it was like it was back again. We'd make an effort to watch it watch all the events. And yeah, it's just it's not really let up since then having, you know getting married, having kids. That didn't change anything. You just sort of carried on the same. It's like, this is me. This is what I do.
1: You'd <laughs> like it, Olympic, lump Sorry, yeah. kids. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got to give you a little bit of info at this point, because obviously you said Royal Rumble 2000 was the first one you watched. So I think there's maybe a five-year difference between me and you. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they're they're about there or thereabouts. In terms
0: so... of age or in terms of when you started watching, what are you are saying
1: here? Oh, sorry, in terms of age, I mean, I started watching in the late eighties. Like, I would get my uncle had Sky, and he'd take me the occasional show. And from the age of four, five, six, I'd been watching it. So I was I'm quite old in my sort of wrestling taste and all this sort of thing. Yeah. But the the only reason I know that Royal Rumble two thousand so well is I was in high school, like the last year of high school, when that was on. So that would have been January 2000 because the Rumble's always in January. Yeah. And it was the first pay-per-view that was on Channel 4 on terrestrial TV. So just like you, I was a, I was, you know, a poor kid. and um, you know, Silverdale's a uh, coal mining town, so you were, you know, lots of poor people. Mm-hmm. And we all had school the next day because you know, it was Monday morning kind of thing. So stood by the bus stop with 20, 30 other kids. And you could tell the ones that had stayed up to watch the time. <laughs> it, it was on until 4 a.m. And yeah. we were all getting up at like 7 in the morning to get ready for school and you catch like a half eight bus and whatever. And we all looked like we were just smack rats because we just had like two, three hours sleep. And you could just tell it was, like, it was like a really nice moment that we all shared. And that's kind of how I remember it. So I am old, but it is remembered for a very good reason.
0: Yeah. It's a sacrifice that we make. There's so it many is. times where I've had to go into work the next day and whether that be from <laughs> watching wrestling or being at wrestling. And you know what it's like. Sometimes, you know, with these events they, they these you have a few drinks if you're watching, or if you go to a show and then you have a few drinks after. And oh my god, sometimes a zombified states that you have to be in the next day. I'm like, is it worth it? And you go, Fuck yeah it is.
1: Yeah. It, it every single time you might at the time think mm, but yeah it's, it, it's always it's weird. not
0: necessarily because of the show that you've been to or the show that you've watched it's the people that you see the people that you meet the memories that you make that are just priceless um for instance like, it's like you put into our situation we've not spoken to other for the best part of a year but you you obviously alluded to the beginning we just crack on as if like we'd been seeing each other every week like we had them when we were <laughs> doing shows together. Nothing changes. You make friends for life. You make family. And it's just the wrestling community, although it can be sometimes toxic and horrible and bitter sometimes, you know, and especially speaking, you know, in terms of things that have gone on within the industry, especially in the UK the last couple of years, yeah. it's you still can't, you can't let that jade, actually the good that wrestling does for a lot of people. So you say about that, the the, the smack rats that you saw in the bus stop and the sort of way that you sort of bonded to some extent it is it's like that throughout the whole wrestling community i love it it's amazing i miss it
1: um so you fan from 2000 um i don't remember the wrestling show i said that that saw you on i remember like seeing i think it was you and your, your your son and you had this massive like, moustache and beard kind of combo. I mean, you were, you were hipster before the hipster was even a word. Uh, no. <laughs> was, why? Was, why would you say that? Well, it's, you know, when you it see those hipster. kind of hipster guys with the tight jeans and...
0: Um, shit beard at best. Yeah. Most people that are listening to this have probably know me or, you know, have seen me at least. It was a terrible beard. I look back at it and I think, why did you do that to yourself? The moustache on its own was pretty epic. But to have it without the beard, I just look like a pedo. So I was like, that can't, that can't <laughs> thing. It's true, I've got a picture of me on my own uh, with just the, uh, the beard, the mustache on its own. And I'm like, you're gonna get pulled over here because there's, you know, the, you're like suspect
1: number one. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't gonna make comparisons to you looking like a pedo because you're beard. Like I just wasn't gonna take this podcast. I no, I do that to much. myself. Yeah, you, you, you happily went and did it. So, yeah. I mean, what sort of year are we talking? Because I'm pretty sure I was with uh, Britannia Wrestling. It was either 2014 or 2015. I Harm know, in fact, uh, my
0: first ever wrestling show I went to, indie wrestling show, that is, you know, excluding anything that Dub have done, uh, it was the El Bandito tournament, and it was in February 2015. That was the first ever wrestling event I went to. It was in Denby Town Hall. Uh, I don't think you were on that one.
1: Oh, but. no, I know uh, Mad Dog Mark Angus tagged me in a picture from that show. Yeah, I
0: believe you might have been the one after.
1: I'm, I'm relatively certain I went this. to
0: a few after that. I, I spent a year of going to most Britannia wrestling shows, so yeah,
1: yeah it, it might be the one after that. first
0: one.
1: We, we, we were the red right hands, uh, in the picture he tagged me in, so I'm guessing they hadn't even been formed. By that point i could no, be wrong I think but...
0: so no because i know that the there was no red right hand presence on the card that i can remember uh it was very much sort of uh the danzig era the ultra violence era which is just before you were forming wasn't it
1: yeah we, we kind of overlap a little bit but yeah yeah they, they were definitely the presence before so i remember
0: i'd not see obviously i've not seen any of these wrestlers before and uh the card was was pretty good to be fair And all I remember was uh, Danzig winning it. He won the tournament. Obviously, he was a massive heel. And then he gets presented this shield thing. And he absolutely just yeets it and smashes it to bits. And I was like, oh, my God, what a little cunt. And you can blink that out after. Um, And then he goes to get the Welsh flag and tries to burn it. And I was like, oh my God, they're actually going to do this. (laughs) And then uh, Dylan Roberts came down to make the save, which was like proper pop and a half. Yeah. Um, But that's sort of, that's the fundamentals of what I remember from that show. Uh, I took my little lad with me and we have got some pictures and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even realise this even existed in the UK. I've been a wrestling fan for so long, but never really looked at indie promotions. I'd seen the uh, the rip off shows, you know, the the tribute shows yeah. with your fake cane and fake rock and all that kind of stuff, and it never it never interested me. I was like, why would I want to go and see fake wrestlers or people, you know, yeah. interpreting them? I, it didn't it didn't appeal to me. But then when I found there was actual indie wrestling, it sort of really uh, it really t- tickled my fancy, and I was like, yeah, I could uh, I could get along with this, especially it being on the doorstep for me
1: so'm uh, I'm because I'm honestly like, i don't, I didn't know this much about you in terms of you know, the, your sort of journey into this business, so you've not done wrestling training, you didn't go along to the you know, the sweaty uh, yes. you know, dojos and I did i want to
0: say about a year year's worth of wrestling training. My ambition to begin with was to be uh, a wrestler even at I think I was out it's 2016. My first wrestling session in april twenty sixteen uh I would have been my master's shit, probably about twenty eight um and I went along to the the North Wales wrestling dojo and real obviously or the b w p uh dojo that they have, and I spent about a year training quite hard to be fair i I took it very seriously for a year I got in shape I got myself down to twelve stone. I was doing, you know, various fad diets and trying to work out and thinking, you know, if you want to be a wrestler, you need to be fit, you need to be healthy and you need to have the image as well. And that's obviously something that I didn't have and I still don't have, but, um, I was like, I, I really wanted to do it, but in the short space of time that I was doing training and taking my bumps and, and doing things, uh, doing the, uh, the training, uh, I got a message randomly from Steve, uh, Steve Saxon, I of BWP. I'd not really spoken to him much other than booking shows and yeah. get the initial information about the training score. So that, bearing in mind, I started in the April of 2016. In the June of 2016, I actually got a message out of the blue saying, how do you fancy doing some ref training? And I was like, what the fuck? I didn't, to, I didn't, I didn't, didn't know what to do to begin with. I was like, I don't want to be a ref. I want to be a wrestler. And I I, I forgot who I had a conversation with. It might have been Steve himself, but I was like, I don't really want to go down this avenue. I really want to be a wrestler. I don't want it to to hinder, you know, my progress as such. He said, listen, in this industry to be, to get forward, you're going to have to take steps in maybe other directions. You don't particularly want to go into, but it's all part of, all part of learning the business, understanding the business and getting to grips, you know, with, all aspects, because yeah. if if you just pri- primarily focus on one area, you're not really going to be a a great wrestler or a great ref if you don't know what else goes on, because it's that intertwined. Everyone needs to know everything essentially. Um, so I was like, do you know what? I'll give it a go, and and see what we see, see what we see what happens from it. So I was like, so do I have to go on like a training course or or what, you know, what's involved in ref training. And he was like, oh, speak to Ryloid uh, when you go into training on Saturday, uh, and then we'll we'll run you through some some drills and, and this kind of stuff. I was like, all oh, right, okay, thinking, oh, it's going to be quite intense. There's going to be loads of, like, maybe an exam or something. And I literally just <laughs> sort of just stood there and copied what I... I didn't even get told to do anything. I was just like you can be the ref for this training match. And I was like, okay. So I just copied what I'd expect a referee to do from watching countless years of wrestling. And that essentially was my training.
1: Wow. Very much chucked in at the deep end.
0: Yeah. And I suppose it's a testament to myself that I managed to sort of do a bit of research, I spoke to a few people you know, I was lucky that Max uh, was lived in the same village as me, he was uh, quite influential on why I went into BWP and how I heard about it um, His he t- was taking his kids to the same school that I took my kid to uh, he was running a charity show in Rithin that year in 2015 I think is how I heard about BWP and then I got talking to him and then he's the one that sort of like he's the only one really that gave me much guidance, no disrespect to Steve as such, obviously he's a busy man, but in terms of one-to-one, I could speak to Max and he sort of encouraged me and gave me advice and critiqued in the, in the early part of me training. But I say training. So the 6th of June, I got the message to say, um, do you fancy taking, you know, some referee training and you know working to be a referee and me thinking oh it's gonna be another year of doing that. By the July, I was already refing on carnivals and I believe it was the sixteenth of July twenty sixteen, BWP Summer Rumble. That was my first gig as a referee. So training in April wow. twenty sixteen. Asked to be a ref in June twenty sixteen, and actually ref my first show in July twenty sixteen. It's wasted two months. I'd gone from a wrestling trainer to a ref, training to be a ref as well, and then doing my first show.
1: I because mean, obviously you mentioned the BDP Summer Rumble that year, two thousand sixteen. That was my uh, my infamous rumble. That's when
0: uh, Lloyd <laughs> sat on your head, wasn't it?
1: Yep. All of his body weight, uh, body weight came uh, crashing down on my throat. So uh, I, think, I think there's a photo of me checking on you, actually, well, somewhere. That's that's the best bit. So obviously Ryan didn't mean. If anyone listening to this, Ryan is very safe. He'll not hurt himself on occasion, but he'll never hurt you. He's, he's very professional. Awesome, he's awesome. A top
0: bloke. I love Ryan.
1: Yeah, it's just genuinely one of those good guys that when you see him on a show, fucking awesome. Uh, unfortunately, follically challenged from an early age <laughs> but i think it's hereditary yeah definitely but um so I'm, I'm in this rumble and it's a proper rumble it's like 90 second entrance and all this stuff i've had baby face pitbull sat on my head slapping my sunburn on my back because i was in italy like two actually weeks. bum you once oh yeah he's it, it, bumming it's my it's head
0: like, it, uh, dog doggy action doesn't he
1: yeah, but he sat he sat on my head doing it. He? So he got me in a hammerlock, sat on my head. Did you feel his
0: balls on your neck?
1: Oh, I, f- I felt the mutts nuts. Yep, mutts nuts. Like um, I, love it. I got, like I got beaten up by him. I'd um, taken you. Know, l- I've taken shots from Max Davies. That was the ref, but he did like a spot in the rumble. Like I was doing a lot, I'm I'm not a wrestler. Yeah, Max was, Davies was, had a spot but, in the rumble. Shot oh yeah, I know, getting get this shit in, who'd have thought <laughs> it? Like, I'd, I'd taken a bit from everyone. I and mean, obviously, Ryan Lloyd tried to go for, like, a, I don't know if it's a senton, a leg drop. Leg it drops. ended up crashing, bum first, on my throat. Like, an entire body weight hit me in the throat and the very top of my chest. And couldn't breathe. I rolled out and just kind of caught my breath a little bit. And uh, The all thing this... about that
0: is, even though it had happened in cave, and all that, he actually like, was so apologetic and checked on you during yeah. the match. You can he
1: see it when you watch your back. He, he, he kept checking in on me. So, I, I was fine after, yeah, like, some, a little couple of minutes. Um, Dylan Roberts come in. I go to, like, nut shot him, and he kind of grabs me, chucks me at the top rope. And I'm lying on the floor, and, like, steam is coming off me. I am hot. Like, I've been in that match for a good, I don't know, 40 minutes, something ridiculous, which for out of shape non-wrestler. I didn't, is I didn't, that where you
0: wore you know, your little pink pants?
1: Yeah, my little black and pink trunks, mate. I, I've got them especially. Um, I, look, I look like a dad going in the swimming baths. <laughs> because I had like a <laughs> little dad bod. No, not quite dad. More like creepy uncle. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's spot on for me, isn't it? <laughs> I got chucked out. And I remember like lying on the cold wooden floor of the Denby Town Hall. I've got people laughing at me. Some, some kid in the front row was kicking me in the head. Like, I don't care. I'm out. I can, I can breathe. I'm good. I'm good. And you come running up to me and you you squeeze my hand and kind of put your face in as I feel like, oh, you're good. You're good. So like, I'm good, mate. So leave me. I'm fucking hot. All right, cool. And you went back to do you know, carry on checking on the match. You came back two seconds later. Oh, by the way, Ryan says, sorry. And I, start, <laughs> I started fucking laughing like really badly because I was like so relieved it was kind of over. I just had to crawl to the back. Yeah. By the way, Ryan says, sorry. And I started like having to corpse because. I was just pissing myself. So I had to like, hide my face in the floor. Like.
0: <laughs> I just remember uh, sort of leaning up against the ring apron and Ryan sort of, had uh, come to one of the corners and he was like, Is Phil all right? And he said, Yeah, he said he's fine. I obviously, at the, at the time, I didn't see it happen.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: And he was like, I, I think I've hurt his neck. Can you tell him I'm sorry? I was like, All right, OK. So I just
1: came tootling to- 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 over.
0: Uh, Ryan says he's sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hilarious. I love that, but he is one of the good guys It was a mistake, he obviously he didn't mean anything And he was, he was so apologetic backstage And I do give him a hard time about it Like every year when it comes up on Facebook Memories, I'm like, hey, alright, remember this You try to take me out, you're your friend your promoter, your your colleague Remember when yeah. you were trying to take me out Bastard, but no, he's, he's a good egg Shit Isn't happens,
0: doesn't it? it? I mean We've not got on to beyond BWP yet, but I was a ref in a match For TNT and there was a spot where Joey Hayes had to come uh, and pull me out of the of the ring to stop the count tag team match. And he pulled me out, but he didn't let go of my... He pulled me really hard, but didn't let go of my leg early yeah. enough for me to put both feet down. So I had to come down on my left foot, but I came down on my toes and it actually broke both my toes in that match. And I... Uh, didn't know it at the time. I was like, ah, fuck. I sort of gave him a a, a telling off, like, and then I carried on. I finished the whole match, and I think I did another match after that, uh, and then I spotted Joey uh, at backstage. He goes, are you all right, mate? Because you could see me limping. I said, no, mate, I'm not good. I don't know what's happened. When you pulled me out, I just went over on my toes, and he was like, shit, mate, I am so fucking sorry. And he was so apologetic, as if, like, he'd done it on purpose, but Obviously, it was purely accidental. Um, yeah. And it's just like, that, that, sort of reiterating your point, no one goes out there to intentionally hurt anybody. You know, kayfabe and all that. It, it's a, everyone has to look after each other. It's supposed to be safe. Yeah. It's supposed to be entertaining. But it's all supposed to look realistic. So stuff like that shouldn't happen. Uh, but on, honestly, he was, uh, he was so apologetic. And then for weeks after that, I was like giving him shit, giving Joey shit. Like, oh, you broke my toes. I've had to take weeks off work and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, "I'm so sorry." I'm only, like, I'm really winding really you up, mate. <laughs> just hobbling on. Yeah, I mean,
1: like Joey is like again, like we said with Ryan, Joey's just one, one of those like good guys in the business. Really he is good really guy. Sounds, yeah, really, really, really nice. Um, so yeah, like so I mean, you, you start wrapping really early doors, mm-hmm. and you kind of got got the the whole world in your hands at this point. You're getting uh, bookings in Liverpool for TNT, getting bookings at, uh, obviously, Britannia Wrestling on your doorstep and all this sort of thing. And lots of people are very complimentary about you. They're just saying, you know what, he gets it. You know, you, no, you no, were very complimentary, complimentary,
0: and that was a... Every... it. To be fair, you were very complimentary. Every show that I ever did, predominantly sort of, yeah, BWP, TNT you'd always be in the crowd or work in the show. And the amount of encouragement, the amount of uh, sort of plaudits I got just from you alone, it spurred me on enough to be like, do you know what? It gave me belief. And it might sound like proper, like oh, Slick, I'm on your podcast doing this, but it is genuine. I, I say it, you know, from my heart, that you're one of the only people that would ever give me praise, sometimes critique, but always encouragement uh, from the, from the very beginning. And obviously, the further down the line I went, when I wasn't such a newbie, other people came and approached me and would obviously, you know, give me feedback, positive, negative, whatever it may be. But from the very beginning, it was always you from day one that would be like, do you know what? You're doing a good job there, mate. You know, I don't know whether you'd sensed it or you knew or you knew what, how I was feeling or what yeah. it was just like it was crazy but the amount of encouragement that gave me because although we didn't know each other personally and didn't really know each other professionally too much either just from my shows I still looked up to you I looked up to everybody because I was new I was the newbie in the business so anybody that was already on shows would in my eyes be deemed higher up or a veteran and therefore you don't you know, you don't fucking you don't answer back. You take everything on the chin, and you, it was just nice to get the praise from you.
1: Fucking hell. It turns out I can be a nice guy after all. Who the fuck Just not to women, apparently. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> uh, another, another promoter gets gone. Fucking yeah. hell. <laughs> no,
0: not in that way. Not like no. in a sexual harassment lawsuit way. Fucking fuck for that. Just being a horrible little bastard like...
1: I mean, only to Kim, really, because then Kim expects it to.
0: Yeah. Is she really a woman?
1: Um, She's more... I'm going to say she's more than a woman. <laughs>
0: You're going to sing it for me?
1: Definitely not. Definitely, definitely uh, 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 not. You missed an opportunity there. Yeah. like I do remember like giving you compliments on this sort of thing. I always think... Uh, but yeah, the thing is,
0: sorry, I sort of, I brushed off on a point there. It wasn't just, compl- it wasn't a complimentary, like, oh, you did a good, good job there as a whole. You'd always be very, very specific in what you were complimenting me on. It'll be something that I wouldn't even think about or notice. Like, oh, when you went down for the count and did, uh, uh, and the position you were in, it was absolutely fantastic. You looked over, you did it. And I'd be like, just little specifics. and like, how's he even noticing this? And then you, I was like, am I doing it on purpose? excuse me or you know is, is it obviously it was just coming naturally because as we've uh, just spoken about there was no sort of training in terms of yeah. knowing where you should be or how you should act
1: or, or anything like that um, i think it was just a case like i mean when i go to shows there's certain things i like i don't look at it like a talent i look at shows like directing a movie i don't view myself as a i hate the term booker so it's just not a fan. Doesn't Just even say Booker. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't even say Booker on my on my business card. Like it says events manager because the real world knows what an events manager is, yep. and Booker uh, doesn't really or Booker whatever. Yeah. Um, the the real world doesn't know what that means. So when I'm at a show, like I'm looking at it as if it's a movie. So if you're the ref and you're blocking um, the crowd's view of the pinfall, mm-hmm. then that's not good. Yeah, that, that's not good because even though you're quote unquote not a performer, you are a performer. The referees are performers. The, yeah, the, the, the DJ is even a performer. People working in the merch. They're they're all performers. It's the second someone turns up at your venue, yeah. you are all performing. Even people um I went to a show in Manchester, the I don't know if I dare say it's Manchester Press and Academy. I know that's a bad term to say, but one of their trainees was just working in the I think it's like the raffle and like the food stall and there's like protein bars, crisps, bottles mm-hmm. of water and cans of pop. And he was just being a bit down hearty because he wasn't on the show. And I was just like, no, mate, you like, you don't you get it. You, you, you are on the show. You might be in the corner just selling crisps and stuff. But when people come up to you, it's up to you to leave a good impression on this person. Because then when you are on the show, even if they look, look at you and say, that's that dude that sold me two bottles of water and a bag of cheese and onion. Yeah, you're still you. You're remembered for something, exactly. and being remembered for something or anything is being is better than being not at all remembered at all. Like right? people come to the show, and every person they meet, they're not necessarily judging, but they're going to go, oh, that lady on the door, she was really nice. Yeah, or that, it. Goes that goes back guy to what you and...
0: said about Steve saying when I was obviously dubious is about taking the refing gig. He said every single part of this, you know industry is integral, everyone has a role to play. You know, if somebody on the merch does a bad job or leave you know is horrible to somebody, it can leave a bad impression on the whole company. So yeah. you might have a really good shit hot wrestling show, but that one person who had a bad experience at merch is gonna go away probably a bit pissed off.
1: Yeah, it, like even from something as you know, selling raffle tickets badly, you go, fucking hell he's a bit of a yeah. dick. And it's, Although it's just it, not
0: there's not much hope for you in life if you can't sell raffle tickets.
1: Well, I mean, it, people, how did you do it badly? Mate, you would be shocked. Like, people tearing down the book or, in Kim Roxy's case, giving out the wrong info despite it being her idea to sell a raffle. That's standard, Kim, though, isn't it? That is very, that is if very you standard. If haven't written it down on a card, then she still get it wrong. Yeah. I, mean, the, the, like, I didn't want to do a raffle on pressing person for shows. I hated it cause to me, it just sounds a bit Good. summer fair. And, mm-hmm. like, oh, we've got a to tombola. Oh, get in the bid. Yeah. don't like it, and it's her idea and I said, okay, you run the raffle and she said, alright, I'll run the raffle, you'll see how much you can make, and obviously we've not looked back because we make a decent amount of money yeah. from the raffle That's where her um,
0: buttons experience comes in, or whatever it was she was yeah. doing, and credit to her for putting that towards you, and you for taking it on board, because it's become such an integral part of actually pro wrestling for you other wrestling shows might not do it, they take themselves a bit more seriously, but You don't, and that's what fans actually
1: like. Yeah, I mean, we've said that to Daniel Terry out, like our announcer, that when he's, like, he genuinely, nobody, I'm talking whoever I'm going out with at the time, because, you know, I've done pressing for 10 years. I've I've been with uh, a a lady or seven, I think, in that time. I don't know. No guys. And uh, apart from you... uh... We've never been out. We, we, look, we look too similar, me and you. We've both got similar yeah. facial hair, similar quiffs. If me and you start doing stuff together, is that... Social is bumming's all right, though, isn't it? That's borderline masturbation when it's me and you, because we, we look too similar.
0: I suppose like looking in a mirror.
1: Well, <laughs> like, like, nobody in um, view aside from me, knows what our raffle-mania uh, booby prize is. We get something truly terrible, like a Christmas CD in the middle of summer, Mm-hmm. Or a ducky a ducky sh- inflatable shower cap that was won by a bull bloke, which was perfect. Um Fantastic. fishing a fishing for poo board game. Um and no one knows. So like Dan loves it. Dan can salad and it's genuine. Like, I do not know what is in this, but it is terrible. And if you win it, you've got to come up here, have your picture taken and People come up to you with twenty quid at the raffle, at the, the the merch table, and say, "I want twenty quids worth of raffle tickets. I really won that booby prize." And go, "God what the damn hell? it! What's matter with it, people?" It was two quid. <laughs> you're going to be like, "Yes, I shall take your twenty pounds," and it just becomes part, yeah another like a part of your show. It's nothing written down or anything, but it is part of your show. So everybody. Whether you take tickets, whether you're on the merch, whether you're security at the ring, whether you're a ring crew, you are a performer. You are noticed. And, Absolutely. Um, whether you, you know, um, felt like you weren't being watched or whatever, I am purposefully. I try and watch everything. You know, I'm, I do I've got like a bit of ADD, ADHD, any of that sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm, I'm so focused. SDD. There. SDD, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got, got rid of mine last year, it's fine. A couple of tablets, does it wonders. It's clean as a penny, you know what I mean? Transpanking. <laughs> <Fine> spanking.
0: Um, <laughs> I, I'm biting my tongue so hard, because if we weren't being recorded right now, there'd be all sorts of crap coming out. It's a good job. It's a good job. It's probably for the best, I don't say too much.
1: Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll skip over this. Once we, once we click like on we'll do more lightly before we nip off. Seriously? Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> what, was it, what was it like? Did, did it turn green? everybody is a performer and if someone now I don't consider myself a vet I mean I've been in this business coming up to 14 years in May, I'm not a vet I am though a sometimes wrestler most of the time manager, most of the time promoter, commentator and also announcer for um, Unstoppable Wrestling so I've kind of got my fingers in many pies and um, I'm not saying that my opinion means so fucking much but if you just sit so around, much, haven't you? you've got experience. Going back to the STD thing, I've definitely been around. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've, I've, I've got, um, I like to think I've got a good eye for, for talent and a good eye for saying, you know what? I can pull out your positives and help you hide your negatives until those negatives turn into a positive. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got skinny legs, cover them up. Tan. Tan is, like, one of the best bits of advice I'll ever give to a talent. If you're a bit thingy about your body, which we've all kind of got a bit of body dysmorphia every so often, I'm sure of it, tan up. It hides a multitude of sins. So if you just take someone to one side, tell them that, and they'll look a bit, mm, I don't know. Can tell you what, mate? look, use this stuff. It's three quid. It'll last you for fucking ages. I promise you, if you don't feel better wearing it, like, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it off you. You know, and just give someone a compliment, build them up, and make them yeah feel good. You know? people,
0: not I say team, but there is a lot of people in this industry who will quite happily step on you to get that you know that one step closer to their goal, their dream, whatever. But for every one of them, there's like ten people like yourself. You know, like the people that have helped me, like Steve, like like Jay. He would literally just care so much about building the industry, building the British scene. So you know you might you might anyone that's listening to this that's just coming into the business or still in the business come across people like that. You just have to ignore it and and realise that you know they're the kind of people that we don't want in the industry that give the, a bad name. You know it's not about it's not shouldn't be a toxic place. No. Like say, well, give I mean, people give people a compliment. You know if the guy on merch is a bit downtrodden, you know, tell him he's doing a good job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like I really hope if I, if the people listening to this. And you come back to wrestling, do that. Just tell people they're doing a good job. Yeah, like, is, it, is it that fucking difficult to so, say, you know what, mate, well done. It doesn't apply just to wrestling, it applies to life. Just be fucking nice
0: to people. I'm all yeah. having a laugh and a joke and a bit of banter, but just be nice to people.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm going to swing you into the first of our two little sort of game showy kind of segments. And it kind of does fit in with what we've been talking about. Um, I'm a big fan of it's kind of like a quiz topic i know it's a topic on a radio show called unpopular opinions now i'm a big big fan of this not because i like to argue but it's like to see what people do connect with and what people don't connect with because mm-hmm. there might be something that i absolutely love and will go to the end of the earth to defend and other people just don't connect with it i suppose so um we're gonna have a, two rounds of unpopular opinions so johnny i want from you a match. That you absolutely love, for for whatever reason you don't feel he gets the credit he deserves, or people kind of shit on it a little bit. Christ, you could have given me some prep time for this.
0: Oh, no. I have to pick no something prepping, out now. Okay. I don't know what other people's opinions of matches are. I got my own opinion, but I suppose I'm just trying to think. Wow. I'm no good on the spot at all, so bear with me on this.
1: Um... I'm, I'm going to give you one of mine, not to kind of spur you on, but just to kind of show you my mindset. Yeah, People go for it. look at WrestleMania 19, and it did, for me, WrestleMania 19 is superb. Vince McMahon versus Hulk Hogan. Now, we're not talking a five-star technical masterclass in the Tokyo Dome or mm-hmm. yeah anything like that, but I'm a big fan of stories, you know, just tell a yeah. really good story, make me believe it, just take me out of my element for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. And Hulk Hogan versus Vince McMahon is one of the best stories that I've ever seen. Oh, well, people shit on it a little bit, saying it's a bit boring, it's this, it's that, it's the other. Uh, there's too much interference because you had Roddy Piper kind of interferes and you got like multiple referees. And then Shane McMahon comes down at the end. Obviously, it doesn't interfere. It's done with. But you're know, in mean, too much outside interference and not enough just them two. But I love it. The Vince McMahon popping up slowly from the ring, covered in blood, is yeah. better than anything I've seen in any Hollywood movie. And the cameraman, I, like I did my research, the cameraman got lucky on that shot. Like me as a director, I'd be like, oh my fucking god, that's beautiful. Yeah, but that's the, the shot right there. Yeah, like that's, you yeah, because obviously Vince isn't there in the back controlling that. The cameraman just got lucky and they're like, oh, what a fucking awesome shot that is. Yeah. That's the, the guy from The Shining level, good. You know what I mean? And yeah, people yeah. shit on him, but I love that match so much. You sold it now, I'm
0: going to have to go and watch it. Yes, WrestleMania yeah uh, While you were talking, there I did actually something about, did pop into my head in terms of unpopular, in terms of what uh, unpopular matches, which I actually really enjoyed. I really, really enjoyed the Ultimate Deletion matches, TNT, Matt Hardy, and all that kind of stuff. All that shenanigans—the first sort of taste of what we got of these sort of cinema, uh, you know, the cin- cinematic matches yeah. we're getting now. But I absolutely loved them. People were saying, oh, it's not wrestling, it's not this, but I, I loved it, absolutely loved it. Me and my mate used to howl because some bits were so funny and some of the wrestling was a little bit cheesy and gay and there's a drone attacking people, but I loved it.
1: Yeah, Matt, I'm kind of in agreement for you. Like I saw it and like, I didn't get it at first, but I couldn't turn it off. And that's when I know yes. I'm not going to end up liking it. It's like, what am I watching? What am I continuing to watch? What yeah. am I watching again? But like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, maybe it's not necessarily to my taste, but it's different. And yeah, I'll, I'll completely, completely agree with you. Um, I just remember one, one bit in that uh, Matt Hardy's like, I think Jeff Hardy's got like
0: a, a a lawnmower and there's like a wheelchair, like a really old, dilapidated thing. He's just like mower of lawns, chair of wheels, mower of lawns, chair of wheels. And I was, I just remember howling. I was like, what, what even is this? What? What even is this? But I'd, like, like you just said, that I couldn't take my eyes off it, and I'd be like looking forward to the next one.
1: Absolutely. So I mean, maybe it's not so unpopular because I quite like it. But fuck it, whatever. No, I'll completely just agree on that. We one. have
0: the same opinion. But I know that when it first came out, there was a lot of quite a lot of outrage about it, and then people were just saying, "This is not wrestling. This is yeah, wrestling."
1: This, the, the Jim Cornettes of the world, perhaps.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah. I know a few
0: people that I know that didn't like it.
1: But well, that's the good thing with wrestling. Like, yeah, wrestling should be like a circus, shouldn't it? I mean, if you don't like the clown, you might like the high wire. If you don't like the high wire, exactly. you might like the the beady lady. Uh, sorry, Kim. Uh, <laughs> yes, got back. back. Um, but you know I mean the wrestling should be a circus? Uh, 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 yeah, exactly, exactly. So, one more unpopular opinion. I'm going to ask you. I want to ask you for either just a a regular performer that people rant and rave about that you just don't. Connect with I'm not saying you don't, you that know, you don't think they're worth it or any of this sort of thing, but a performer that you don't connect with, you just don't get it. I was going to go down the hall of fame route and say, Is there anyone in the hall of fame that you don't think should be in there? But you know what? If you busted your ass in this business and you're in the hall of fame, you you fucking deserve it. I know what Arnold Schwarzenegger got like people, you yeah, wrestling fans, what's he ever done? Inspired a million. Yeah, you know, folks yeah. to pick up some weights. I mean, fucking hell. Like it's got a knock-on effect. So we're not gonna do the Hall of Fame question. But yeah, give me a performer that oh, you on what just level
0: are we can't. talking now? Are we talking sort of indie level or are you
1: going like mainstream? You can, you can, or... you can take that whichever which way you want. If you want to shit on Ryeloid, <laughs> shit, shit on who on So you have, have to be
0: hyped first to be able to shit on him, don't you?
1: Yeah, I mean top to the bottom, right? Whichever
0: whichever way you want to take this. Um you go yours first again. Give your unpopular opinion on this, and I'll give me time to think while I'm listening to you.
1: Oh, fuck you now. No, no, it's just me exhaling. Um, I'll,
0: I'll give Quite you impressed. one
1: that I was so happy that I was wrong on was Braun Strowman. Okay. Uh, like when he kind of came in, he just he just had that blank face, just almost like Neil from the In Between. It's just really gormless and. I just thought, who the fuck is? Yeah, he's a big guy, but we've seen big guys before. He's going to be another Gene Snitsky, and like he started trimming up, he started doing the mix max uh, challenge with Alexa Bliss, and his facials were coming on abundance, and he's got really good comic timing. He's really funny, really dry with his humor. And I thought, fuck, I've never been so wrong about it before performer that I that I can, that I, can that I can remember in
0: that time again, which is served me well. I've got, actually, who I haven't connected with, don't understand the hype, and particularly don't really like. Um, we'll call him John Moxley for now because that's what he's going by at the moment, but even the Dean Ambrose character, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I don't like it. I don't think he can wrestle particularly well. Um, his old CCW stuff was good because it was extreme, you know, getting put through panes of glass and that kind of stuff, if you're into that kind of stuff, it was quite good, but I don't think they've been able to do much with it, yeah, he's the champion and stuff in AEW and he's got this massive push and I'm like, why? I feel there's other people that could do better he's not championship material in my eyes he didn't carry it very well when he was in the WWE he was good in the shield but he had other people to lean on there as a tag team, maybe.
1: But I just don't understand it. No, that's, that's, you know what? That's fair enough. Like, that's the thing. You say, like, wrestling, um, just because you like it doesn't mean the next person does. And vice versa and all that sort of thing. I'll yeah, I will got that. excited give...
0: watching a Dean Ambrose match
1: or a John Moxley match. Even the
0: one he had with I... Omega recently. I was like, it's
1: just not great. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna have to like kind of agree on this one a little. But I've never gone. Yeah, I really want to watch uh, an Ambrose Moxley match. I'm like, oh, I, like I don't dislike him. I'm just, I've just not connected. Yeah, with him, I've never gone. Yes, I really want to fucking watch that. It just didn't happen for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on the same boat as you then. Just don't understand him. Don't understand his character.
0: And he's supposed to be some sort of lunatic, and you know, a bit crazy and. I just I don't buy
1: it. I don't buy it. Nah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, like, so we're, we're going to get back on to you. So oh, oh, why you? yeah. uh, you're with? Yep, you're Britannia Wrestling. You're you're refing. You're doing bits with TNT. And I do believe it was two. I want to say June or maybe July. Somewhere I know it's in one of those summer months, uh, 2017. We're going to try you out to Press and View doing something pretty different to what you'd kind of been used to doing yeah very much out of the box um it was again from all
0: the encouragement and stuff that you provided and advice you're the one that actually approached me with this idea about going into into management and i'll be honest it was something i wasn't too keen on to begin with uh and i was like do you know what if you don't ever give anything a go, then you never know. It could be a step. You could excel at it. You could fall flat on your face, but, you know, at least I gave it a try. Um, so I, I was uh, speaking to you quite heavily about a concept, about some ideas that we were checking about, and, you know, about a a persona as such for myself, um, and I believe that you wanted me to uh, come down to Pro Wrestling for you and be the manager for visage yeah which for me was unique in its own self i i didn't i didn't necessarily agree with it to begin with in like i don't think that i didn't feel that he needed the manager i felt like he had you know enough of a, a the charisma about him to not need it but then i can't i don't remember if we had a conversation about it or just more conversations happen i was like if that's what phil wants to do if that's what you know, it's his promotion, and he sees an opportunity. Just, just go with it. So, I'd turned up to the to the show. You know, my Jericho-inspired manager gear and all, uh, ready to debut as such as this manager. Absolutely bricking myself, I was. I, I, I still get nervous. Well, I haven't done for a long time because there has been no shows, but I still get nervous. Uh, before shows, now even refing, even when I was doing other bits, which I'm sure we will come on to later. But I always get so nervous. Have to have a pre pre show poo, have to have one because <laughs> my belly is literally like butterflies. I yeah. I think it's good nerves in a way. Even though you might say, "Well, you're not wrestling. What are you nervous about?" Uh, I, I play. I do play an integral part in in the story that's being told, and I'm like, if I fuck this up. Oh, God, it's not going to be good for me. Not in a, maybe not in a professional sense because mistakes do happen and I don't think I'd ever get, like, sacked or, you know, not get booked anymore for making a mistake. But it's just, like, the shit that you get for it. And, you know, these lads or, or ladies that are in the ring are working so hard to put on a good match and they're doing everything right and the fucking fat ref comes along with his shit beard and a quiff and he <laughs> just, like, forgets to count the three or, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like... Are yeah. you serious? Just because you can't be a wrestler, don't come up here
1: fucking at my matches. Amazing. That really is me. I think, um, yeah, cause I remember seeing you on shows. Now, I wasn't going to put myself back on my shows um, to be a manager. Like, I I, I did it early doors, but I, I couldn't run my shows and be a talent as well. Yeah. So I took myself off maybe 2013, 14, maybe 13, so on like that kind of like. Uh, we had File Vendetta there. Um, kind of filling that sort of valet role for, for a good few years, and I think she would have left maybe the year before this. Mm-hmm. And I, I was kind of missing seeing someone with with a decent manager, and yeah, not all yeah. not managers have to go down the thin guy in a suit kind of route, which like a lot of people do. I, I know I did. Now I'm a slightly fat guy in a suit, whatever. Um, <laughs> like I, I like when when people kind of. T- take, you, take a slightly different alternative route. They haven't got to be that uh, guy. Uh, they haven't, the haven't got to be Paul. Yeah, they haven't
0: be... had something different about him, didn't he? He wasn't just your standard manager.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I, probably Paul Heyman's probably the prototype that people go to. They do and now then, because he's been so um, successful. Yeah, is that sort of I'm serving as the advocate. and yeah, spokesperson in a suit. And like, if, I remember talking to you about, I think it was the, the when the road dog was the roadie for Jeff Jarrett. Something about this rings a bell. And yeah. I quite like that he wasn't a typical manager. He was kind of more, uh, is it Mickey, the, the trainer in Rocky? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it was more like that. It was a bit more sweaty, a bit more grungy, a bit more um, let them do it and whatever. Yeah. Like, I, I like more of a roadie. Yeah. I like the roadie doing that. And I've always loved sensational Sherry. She's my go-to. She's no one will ever beat her. She's just that fucking brilliantly good. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that Visage could have an entourage because I thought Visage Entourage is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm going to Britannia Wrestling quite often, and I'm thinking, well, we've got a referee, Tony Barrett, and he he does it all, he's happy to do it all. He's fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I really like this guy called Johnny. He works so fucking hard. He cares so fucking much. That's who I want in my, in my locker room, someone mm-hmm. that gives that much of a shit. And whether they get it right or whether they don't, they're going to work at it until it's right. Or they might yeah. say, you know, this isn't for me, but how about this? And I thought, well, put you in as a manager and don't want to put you with the typical people. Visage and you, I thought, we could do something with that cause, um, yeah, you're you're we're, a heterose- you're a heterosexual yeah. bloke. You don't mind looking a bit of an idiot. You don't mind uh, hugging and kissing other men. I can speak for that first hand. Why you? you, so you very, I know. You, if our if missus is listening to this, me and you are in trouble. But you're a comfortable bloke, you know, like say you know, kind of same as me and that sort of thing. So yeah, cool, whatever, mate. Like I'm, I'm not fussed. And the idea that you and Visage could have so much fun. With that yeah rock.
0: if I remember the idea that you pitched to me was I was going to be his manager, and obviously for people who don't know uh Visage, very flamboyant, very open about his sexuality he, obviously he he didn't always uh he wasn't always um trans with his act, was he um he was more sort of male orientated if I remember rightly was he am i thinking far um, back i'm thinking it was really? it was, he was borderline it, he wasn't quite full on uh, the, the wig and all kind of stuff he does now, if yeah. I remember, but it was a, maybe a little bit more toned down a bit. Yeah, but obviously, open, openly gay. Or, um, I, I sorry, I assume that he's he was being openly gay, it's not my place to assume. Um, <laughs> but the idea was that I was his manager, but was oblivious to the fact that he was like that, yeah. If I, if, I, if, I, if I, am I right I think, in saying yeah, that's what's pitched so they, it's quite there.
1: comical. Yeah, because I think when people do um gay characters in, in films and in TV shows, um in wrestling a lot of the time, they do like gay characters really badly. Yeah. Like just like I like, re like oh like some of us carry on camping. Like, it's that mm-hmm. too over the top. And I know loads of gay people, you know, guys, girls, whatever, and yeah. they're just not like that. And there's, there's you know, some camp people, or we know camp uh, heterosexual people. Um, and you. I mean, so, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could say me or you, and yeah, very much in, in that kind of context. But like, I love the idea that, you know, Visage is doing all this stuff and you're Visage's cheerleader and you're kind of, just think the absolute word i'm you're almost a fanboy, yeah. Of Visage, but you're their entourage, you know. You're there, Visage has been the sort of diva, you know, that Beyonce kind of person, yeah. and you're there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a problem, not a I'll, I'll get that for you, I'll get that for you. Um, I think it it was oh, fucking hell. uh, Fifth Element Bruce Willis movie, yeah, that's what it is. Like Visage was kinda of like is it Ruby Rod, the character that uh
0: Chris yeah.
1: Yeah. That that he plays and he's got all these kind of hangers on, like his little entourage. And we had that in mind for you to kind of throw you at the deep end, try you with something different. Yeah. And you being the Visage Entourage, I think was, was fucking brilliant. Well, Unfortunately this is yeah, it could have been. Uh, unfortunately, as rest, the wrestling business goes, uh, on the day, shit can change dramatically. I think it was you and Visage versus Drill that was originally planned.
0: Possibly. I can't remember. But, yeah,
1: card. relatively certain. I I've, I've checked the uh, match graphics out earlier. I'm relatively certain that's right. And I hadn't was...
0: even debuted as a manager at this point. This is supposed to be my debut, wasn't it? It's supposed to be the yeah. big feel.
1: Um and visage unfortunately had like a car crash earlier in the day and was really really shaken up i think it was like early afternoon maybe somewhere between one and four ish so when they're kind of getting ready to put you yeah, pack the bag pack the car Yeah, i think he was on his way down wasn't he yeah pretty much and yeah he unfortunately had like a car crash he was fine but visage was obviously very shaken up and uh wanted to make sure that they didn't have any kind of whiplash, didn't have any kind of effects after the adrenaline wore, wore off. Yeah. I said, you know, you know what? Health comes first. So get yourself to you know, to a hospital, to a doctor, um, you know, go go home, what whichever it is, go look after yourself. Let me know how you're doing. And remember him sending that message, said, Look, I know I'm busy, my phone is on loud, it's on vibrate message me later on let me know how you're doing don't worry about the show we'll get you back on which which we did uh i think it's like the year after mm-hmm. But just let me know how you're doing so you were kind of already on roots um yeah we knew, I... we, we knew that we didn't have visage luckily we did have i think henry t grad was coming down to do commentary with magic mark for this show um yeah and it was easier to just go okay well we've got a heel and grudge we've got a face and drill we're gonna we're gonna stick them against each other yeah but we knew we didn't want to waste the opportunity uh with you you know so spoke to to tony barrett like, man, i've got a spare ref shirt i said well yeah like he's done refing before and he's really fucking good at it and tony the nicest guy in the world i will never stop you know putting tony over tony barrett is a godsend of a man. He didn't look at it like, well, no, I wanted to ref all the matches. He said, "Yes, cool. I'll get to in the back. We'll we'll split the matches up, and we'll go from there." Like, Fucking brilliant! Absolutely brilliant! Um, so, yeah, credit yeah,
0: to him for sort of for, for yeah. both of you for sorting me out there because I was like, I was already on route, so it's a bit shitty in it if you're already on your way to yeah. to cancel you on route. But um, yeah, yeah, I end up doing a bit of a of a ref spot in in there, and that was the end beginning and end of my managerial
1: career yeah I mean because I mean <laughs> it was a nice touch that we we asked you to ref earlier in the night the drill and grod match which obviously yeah. you would have been part of that you know, the, the the drill match anyway mm-hmm. um, I remember si- uh, sitting with you is at the back of the room back at the Silverdale Working Men's Club and I yeah. was saying I really like when we do the heel referee stuff I wouldn't mean, know Nick Patrick is probably the best there's no two ways about it Nick Patrick was super about it especially during the whole sort of invasion and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. I said, how about we do a bit of that? Because we've got two refs on the show. Let's do a bit of that. So early in the night, you refereed the drill and grod match. And yeah. obviously, there was, no, there was no bias there. You were just caught it down the line. Now, in the main event, it was the person for uh championship. Um, Paperface Pitbull was the champion. Sexy Kev, the challenger. The loser leaves pressing for you as well, so just to add a bit a bit more stakes onto it. Yeah. And it was we knew that the crowd were gonna love it anyway. But I remember saying to um, imagine with Kev, because we knew Kev we knew Kev was gonna win, obviously. And I think I think I might have came up with a finish. I could be wrong. So if, if I Hello? Hello Onto onto Pitbull. Oh if you look oh Skype's oh, lost Still there. Oh, Oh, we're back. Skype's lost me. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, all good. All good. Um, so, Pitbull knocks Tony Barrett out earlier in the match. He just turns around, sparks him out and the referee's down. Bit more shenanig- uh, shenanigans going on. They fight around the audience, blah, 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 whatever. They put a, wall, a hole in the wall at the back of the oh, room. Oh, they which, did, didn't they? You know, Shit. I forgot about that. Word. I was like, shit, I forgot about that as well. We had to, like, uh, Daniel Terry knew an, an odd job man that went and fixed it for us. But, yeah, management wouldn't of the, of the Silverdale Club, needless to say, we're not too happy, which is fair enough, completely yeah. fair enough. Um, Tony Bav gets knocked out. Uh, I think Kev now gone full of pinfall. Obviously, there's no one there, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, you come running out. You're doing your referee stuff. Just as you can see that Kev's setting up for the sexy splash in the corner. He's finished. You start checking on Tony, the other ref. Kev goes for the pin. You can hear the crowd really going, come on, ref! Mm -hmm. And you you don't see it. And finally, you turn around and you give quite a sort of like it is kind of cover, quite slow. And like, yeah, "Yeah, one, two. And then that's when he kind of kicks out. And there was enough people, because we wanted everyone in the crowd to say that ref's a dick. But we needed enough people in the crowd to say, Come on, that refs being a dick. You are taking in the absolute piss. Yeah, it was Ken,
0: enough to I'm
1: be stopping. subtle. Yeah, and Magic Mark puts it over perfectly on commentary. I've never, Again, I've never I watched it I, back. You know. You know what, mate? Once this is done, I'm going to hook you up with that match. Fantastic. Magic Mark puts it over per, like perfectly. Again, another guy that I can't say enough good about. Mark's an absolute godsend. I work uh, with Mark at TNT,
0: and he's uh, he's really good at what he does got uh yeah we didn't because he's doing commentary you don't get to speak to him too often they're off in their own little area doing what they need to do but the few occasions that i have managed just to, to chat to him it's always been pleasant and uh very gentlemanly uh very good at, uh what he does as well in the commentary yeah
1: does absolutely research yeah you know i mean he's professional through and through every every ounce of him absolutely professional um, yeah, so he puts over really good on commentary Kev grabs you by, by the sort of by, by, by your collar gives you a kick upside the head which I forgot he actually did that cause that's yeah he gave me roundhouse kind of a heel move but I think the crowd at that point were willing to forgive anything because Kev was over and Pitbull was over but obviously as a heel and yeah. the crowd were hot like really fucking hot they really wanted the tile change yeah Kev gives you a lovely kick upside the head I mean was that kind of perfectly placed? Uh, I didn't feel it, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. again, absolutely, absolutely spot what on, a professional. Yep, bit more goes on. Kev hits his sexy splash. Referee Tony crawls over, you yeah, know, typical crawls over, makes makes the pinfall, and you're kind of spark, sparked out on the outside, or at least on the outside of the ring, and again. It's it's a beautiful moment, really solidly beautiful person few moments. I, there was, was uh, Grod involved in that to some
0: extent as well. Because yeah. I remember me, uh, Sam, oh, sorry, Pitbull, and I think it was Grod all left via the sort of entrance.
1: Yeah, we we decided to kind of like. Triple down, quadruple down on the, the the main event. If you get the shenanigans right for the main event, the crowd will be hot as fuck. So Grodd's at ringside doing commentary with Magic Mark anyway. And we knew we were going to go through to Grodd and Sexy Kev after this with Pitbull leaving. So we kind of needed to overlap a little bit. Yeah, so, so it's set uh, up the next stage. to he the headset, jumps in the ring, spears Kev just as he's doing his comeback. And... Yeah, kind of Chuck's pit bull on top of him, such a close, you know, pinfall. Yeah, be- beautiful moment, beautiful moment, main event. So, if people are listening to this, go back on the person view um, network at pwviewondemand dot uk. Look up "Release the Kraken" from sort of Summer two thousand and seven. Really solid main event. Really, really good. Yeah, um, it's good to be a part of that. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um you wrote, obviously you're at the ring, Grudge out the ring, Pitbull's at the ring. Pitbull does give the middle finger to the crowd, which the camera catches, rather naughty. 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 And I think you free leave via like the public entrance. You don't yeah, even say, that- you
0: know, the way that the uh, the crowd came in, we didn't even go out of the
1: back. Yeah, again, that that was purposeful. I mean, we said like if, if Pitbull's leaving, like he's lost to lose or for a lead person view match. He needs to go out the way he comes in so the crowd can say, okay, he's lost the match, but he's going back to the locker room. doesn't make sense. So, yeah. Uh, the it works so
0: well. That picture, back, that you, it, just, it just works really, really well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not trying to say, look, I'm a great, great Finnish guy, but every so often, the blind squirrel does find a nut. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's for good, and I, I've got to give you like some credit at this point because I think when we were trying to come up with your sort of concept for the whole visage entourage, you you came up with Johnny B Goodman, just that little little bit to your name. Yeah, I I can't remember if it was something I came up with myself. I think it, I'm going
0: to give credit here, you know, to Steve Saxon. I think he always called me Johnny B Good, and then it just sort of just it stuck and it evolved into Johnny B Goodman. Yeah, and the fact that I was going to be a bit of a dick and a bit of a heel. Was just a, a play on words and quite ironic in that
1: sense. Yeah, I mean it, it, that that is superb. It rolls off the tongue. It's a bit Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad, which you know I don't think I not Breaking Bad was around at that point. I assume it was. Yeah, it was, not, of course it was. Um, like it, obviously, a bit of Johnny Johnny V Bad from WCW. Just yeah, absolutely superb. Is is one of those names that I go, that's really clever. Like, it's just a shame I, it never came into fruition. Mate, the the night is young. You know? <laughs> well, you don't know. You never know. You want know I me mean? like we haven't really got any managers, really. in person for you. It,
0: are you putting an offer on the table here, you Phil? Just what you're saying.
1: I, I, I am officially putting an offer on the table because I know you're a busy man. You, you, are pretty much you're locked down with, with with the missies. You've got kids. You're a busy, busy guy. I'm a very busy guy. Very busy guy. But I, I haven't uh, actually
0: done a wrestling show since I want to say like May, June, 2019. 2018? 2019 Wow. Whenever I uh, I separated from the ex, that's that's when I stopped doing the wrestling because obviously I had kids to look after on the weekend and stuff, and yeah. all that kind of personal situation. I just didn't have time for it. You know, I had I was working for I was working two jobs, uh, and unfortunately, you know, wrestling wasn't paying the bills at the time, so something I had to give. So that's. I'm try to think when well, the last show I did was. My mind's just blank. I work. I, I think it could have been 2018. You know. Bloody hell, that's crazy.
1: Could but be- mate, the, the the door for pressing for you uh, for you is always open. Like I say, like I, I'm gonna blow some smoke at your ass. But people listening to this, they're gonna cut on to the fact that I like good, honest, trustworthy, hardworking, banterful, just. Really good hands in that locker room. People that, if you leave your phone out or your wallet out, no one's going to take anything. They might look at your driver's license picture and take the take picture. a selfie
0: of your ass on the phone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're never going to nick anything. They're never, yeah. you, you know, From we've got feet. really a really good, yeah, we a really good locker room. And uh, I've, I'm always on the lookout for new talent. So, mate, whenever we're back up and running, bring bring the family. They're, they're all welcome. Uh, you will be performing it, pressing for, for you. Thank you. That means a lot. Cheers, buddy. Anytime, at any time. So, what I, want to, I want to, do want to get into it was kind of like the, the sort of crux of this podcast was that you were sort of co-booking, co-agenting for Britannia Wrestling. Because for me, it kind of came out of nowhere. Because whenever I was at Britannia, there was Steve Saxon, the owner, there was Jimmy yeah. Faith sort of co-owner, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, he was, yeah. They were the partners,
0: yeah. both of them.
1: And Michael Holland, kind of maybe a bit of an agent in the back.
0: Yeah, he had a he had a big influence. Um, um I want to say uh, Dylan Roberts, he had a massive influence in the booking, very yeah. friends. And, and also to at one stage, uh, Dean McManus as well. He was quite heavily involved in the in the sort of progression of terms of storylines and booking and stuff like that. Um which, he disappeared off the scene, I think twenty seventeen. And he, he he was a he was
1: a character I liked, Dean McManus. He he was a yeah. good he had a good wrestling brain as well. Yeah, really really smart guy. But the the cool thing with because he kind of like came out of nowhere. We I remember getting to a show. It was at the Thrift, and you you were stood in the ring. I think Pitbull was behind you, and you stood in the ring and you were running everybody through the show. That was yeah you, the, the, the car one, had- yeah because like, we're we about to open the doors. We've got ten minutes. I need everybody to listen. This is what we're doing. And for me, that's what I do on my shows. I get everybody together in the locker room. I read them through the house rules. Like, don't shut the microphones. This is the card. Stick to your times. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And seeing you do it, and people were kind of like talking and laughing, and you weren't taking any shit. You're like, no, guys, seriously, save the jokes from the back. You know what I mean? I need to get this out. We've got like seven minutes till the, the, the we've got to let the uh, audience in. Yeah. Save jokes yeah. for the back. I need you to listen to me. And I was like, there it is. Oh, I got right, into dad mode, mate. But like, it needs that because it's sometimes it a bit like a youth club. Sometimes we're stood around chatting and chin wagging and all taking the piss. Sometimes when you are running the show, you are very, very much aware. That, that that clock is permanently ticking. Yes. If you've got to open the doors dead on seven and start dead on half seven, then you you've, you know, you feel that. The wrestlers don't always feel that, but you know you feel that. And a thought for a guy that doesn't run the company, you're running the company. You're running front of house.
0: Yeah, Sach uh, uh, took a took a, a big a big leap, a leap of faith. And he obviously, much like yourself, saw something within me and thought, I can trust him to do this. Although Sam was the co-owner and he was on the show, but as you you spoke about earlier, he was talent as well. So you don't get time to be able to to do all the stuff in terms of running the show uh when you're trying to, you know, book your match and plan your match as well. So yeah. the fact that both of them uh you know, had enough of a of faith in me to do that. And uh, like you said, in a such a short period of time, um was was, you know, it was nice for me. But um it was it was good that the talent reacted well to it as well. So they obviously had enough respect for Steve and Sam. So, well they've chosen him, they've chosen him for a reason. So I never never got any shit and never got any any crap for doing it um which is always positive because like you say you know people can be quite outspoken um so I'd like to, maybe I command enough of
1: respect within myself uh I think you might be the chef days. you know The what the because obviously you you you're a chef for a while so to say that I think my
0: when when you were saying about addressing the uh the room when I was head chef, obviously team meetings and addressing uh, the kitchen staff or whether it be restaurant staff or management meetings, it sort of came natural. So you, you have to command a certain level of respect. Um, not that respect is deserved, respect is earned, but obviously that was a, a factor that played into it. I also had enough respect from, from the locker room for them to take notice and listen, I
1: think. Yeah. I mean, did they just kind of take you to one side and say, Luke, this is what we'd like to do or is this what you would want to do? I mean, how did they kind of approach it? Um, I think it was classic sort of
0: like the ref situation. I think Steve just messaged me out of the blue one day. So do you fancy doing this? And I was like, yeah, go on then. It's literally as simple as that. No training necessary. I <laughs> so I've been doing a bit of production and helping out on, on that side of things. And it was a case of it sort of went hand in hand. I was doing the booking meetings. I would booked most of the shows with them anyway, uh, so I knew that what was going on from top to bottom, you know, I could, I just, was a helping hand and Steve couldn't be there. And I just, just filled the gap naturally.
1: Um, and honestly, uh, from yeah, that point, uh, people were very impressed with like how you were running it. Like there's no two ways about it. Cause sometimes and I'm, I'm speaking through like just my own opinion at this point. So when I won the Britannia wrestling whilst championship. Yeah. Uh, I personally think it was a silly idea, but I get why they did it. I was in the back. I had Steve Saxon telling me one thing. No, you should wrestle in your suit. I'd be telling you, uh, uh, Big Face Pitbull, saying I should kind of like wrestle in like a dress down suit. So take the jacket off or just take the shirt off and wrestle in trouser, trousers and boots. I had Mark Holland telling me another thing and uh, Don Micho as well. So obviously I was, I was with uh, Don Micho for, for the most yeah. part. What battalion stint um all telling me different different stuff and i it was very like i was nervous you know one-on-one matches where i'm winning the title and i've got to remember all these spots because there's a manager you don't you get look when i go up to the turnbuckle the second time that's when you jump up and shake yeah. the ropes or i'll kick you off Yeah, you get two or you get what you get one spot yeah um but this is a whole match and Each one of them telling me to wrestle differently, to look differently. It was, it was so refreshing to have one voice, one clear voice, one person to go to and say, what do you need? This is what I can do. What do you need? And let's see if we can kind of meet in the middle. Yeah. So for me, once you were, you were stood up in, in, in that ring, telling people and being that point of contact, I, I was, I was relieved, really relieved. Because you know what you're doing, and there would be one person to speak to, not four. So I, uh,
0: I winged it. To be honest, you say I know what I'm doing. I haven't got a fucking
1: clue. Hey, no one knows what. The, no, one taught, <laughs> yeah, no one taught me how to promote a show. No one ever teaches you. No one ever sits you down and say, "This is how you book a show." You just do it, and you sink or swim. That's the best thing about That's professional cool. wrestling. It's improv, you know. So when well, we did the unpopular uh, opinions thing early and said, "Oh, you could give me a heads up," no, wrestling's improv. So it's- It was always going to. It was so obviously with um, Britannia Wrestling now changing hands. Where does this leave Johnny Goodman? No idea. Like I said, uh, I'd sort of backed
0: away from the industry. I I want to say twenty eighteen, no twenty nineteen. Sorry, it was twenty nineteen. We're in twenty twenty one now, aren't we?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So definitely twenty nineteen. I didn't know what fucking year we were in. Um, (laughs) Definitely twenty nineteen. I took a step away from the industry that in all bookings, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything for Steve, didn't do anything for Jay, haven't done anything for you, or any any other requests that came in, I turned everything down. Um, So during the the handover between uh, Steve and Sam at BWP to Alan, um, I sort of got lost, I suppose. I don't know what's happening. I've not been approached by Alan. I've not been asked by Alan if I want to work for him. So... In terms of BWP, as far as I'm concerned, it's sort of like that ship sailed. Uh, I, you might say, Well, why haven't you approached him to want to work there? Um, I'm not in a position to be doing that at the moment, so I wouldn't actively look for it. But if someone asked yeah. me on a one off, Would you want to come and do this? I'd consider it. It's <laughs> not much, I'm a bit out in the dark to be honest, but it's difficult because they took over what well, just before lockdown happened, I believe. So they didn't, I don't, yeah. think I don't think Al's even had to have been able, Al and Ryan, sorry, have been able to run a show
1: yet. So it's difficult. It, it might have been a bit later than that, you know. I think it would have been maybe um, like I was kind of made aware of it in sort of July, August, September ish. It was kind of like late summer that Stephen uh, yeah, Sam had about started right. kind of telling people. I mean, obviously, that would have, it would, they would have had you know, talks with Alan and all that, and obviously Ryan as well. Well, that's kind of when it's known somewhere in that kind of gap, July, August, September, perhaps. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, don't, I, I don't know if I dare say this. I don't, if, I don't know if I want to shit on your chips. I mean, Alan and Ryan have approached me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been
0: approached by TNT to go back at any point, though. Like I said to you uh, to at the beginning of the conversation we had before we started record it, recording, um, uh, Jay got in con- contact with me just before Christmas just a check up really asking how I was, what I've been up to, how I was coping. And then basically said, listen, I know that you're, you've taken some time off recently. And you're sorting some shit out, but to whatever capacity you want to come back, just give me a shout and I'll make a space for you no matter what it is, how, you know, it's non-committal. You want to do one show a year, come and, come and do it. And I was like, I appreciate that Jay. Honestly, it meant the most to me. Uh, just a little call out of nowhere to, to just, he wasn't asking me to come and work for him or anything like, obviously, but he just wanted to check out. I was all right. And I thought he didn't need to do that. Yeah. I am not a, a massive part of his life in a, in a personal sense. I wasn't really a big part of the, you know, the wrestling sense. I'd only been part of TNT from 2017. So only maybe three, three years, but just a referee, you know, it's just a referee. So in my opinion, I was just like small fry, just to take that time to, to to message me and and, and ask you know, how I was doing. Just it really resonated with me really well. I really just just meant a lot. Uh, yeah, me and Jay have always had a good relationship. To be fair, really from the start. Like I've just been myself, and I think he's like that. Where other people are maybe maybe I'm my own worst enemy. Sometimes I'm just too treat everybody the same. So yes, you might be in a position of authority. I am respectful, but I'm still I still have the same level of banter with you as if I was with another lad in the locker room. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that boded well with Jay, and that's why we got along. But um, I think we got along. He might absolutely hate my guts, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I
1: mean, it, it it's it's doubtful. I mean, I don't I don't know a, a person that would. Say, I mean, I'm sure that there'll be someone somewhere that'll say shit about you. I mean, it might have to be an ex, but you know what? We've all got them. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean to be fair, though, Like me and me and um, yeah, speaking of obviously TNT, me and Liana were like really cool. So we yeah, obviously we share gingerbread. She has him for a month, I have him for a month. Oh, lovely! Uh, as exes go, she's a good one. she's a good egg. So fair play, fair yeah, play. I can nice say that. that. Yeah, I can't say that about all my exes, but you know what? <laughs> They're for a reason, aren't they? Uh, exactly. Things exactly. just didn't work uh, out. Exactly. I'm gonna have to ask like a TNT question. So, were you there? Well, obviously, we everybody rips into Max Davies. I mean, he, he does get a lot of abuse. It's all banter. It's not. Uh, you know, it's not bullying anything uh, like that. I mean, anyone that yeah, anyone <laughs> that kind of like locks eyes with him for longer than two minutes ends up pregnant. So yep. you, you kind of want to say hello and then walk away. Exactly. Um, were you there at the TNT show? I think it would have been like the sort of the quote-unquote dark match. That, yeah, yes. The, the,
0: the, Is this the, what are you going to say when he wrestled in, when he ref in his jeans?
1: Yeah, please, please tell me this story from the locker room because I don't know if I was at this show. I can't think for life on me. So can you tell this story? Or not?
0: I think Max might be able to tell it better, but me and Max both uh, live in the same village in Wales. We travel to Liverpool together. I drive, he doesn't. Um, so I'd finished work, picked him up straight away, uh, picked him up straight away and drove straight to Liverpool. So Show is probably supposed to start. I imagine dark match about half past six. I didn't finish work till five, and it's an hour journey to Liverpool, the best of times. So we were up against it. Uh, so I set off five o'clock to get to Liverpool. We counted traffic on the way because it was rush hour traffic, everyone else was finishing in D side, etc., or coming on to the 55, and basically we were running stupidly late. Um, we didn't know. Until the moment we got there, that there was going to be a dark match, so we were thinking. Well, ahead of time, we're a bit later than we wanted to be, but we can still get in, find out what the uh, what matches we're going to be doing, or what uh, matches Jay wants us to do, and then you know, seven o'clock doors open first match, plenty of time. So we pulled. I think I pulled up and dropped Max off, and I went to go and find a parking space. So Mm. I came back. And at that point, um I think I was approached by Liam, potentially, and she was like, Are you ref this match? And I was like, I haven't got a clue. Max was quote unquote head referee at the time and I said I'll have to ask him. And the next thing I know that Max is basically running to the ring in his in his jeans, not like his ref attire. He's got a ref top on and a pair of blue for the Kangol jeans or something. <laughs> I don't even I don't even recall if he managed to put shoes on or not, or if he was wearing his like caterpillar boots. But yeah. he essentially refed the first match, the, the the dark match, the talent were already in the ring and they were waiting on Max to get to the ring so they could start the match. <laughs> so he comes running out, this little flaky little mank dwarf, off he comes in his in his jeans and he refs the, the dark match uh, yeah, in his in his jeans well, because he got there too late. It was, uh, it, I don't think I've done that story very much justice, uh, but it was it was quite hilarious. Uh, that I think there's a video somewhere of Leon, basically. Yeah, I, I, to...
1: I, Come on, Max, Leanne, Leanne uh... yeah, I think it's Leon that, that, that recorded recording because that's kind of where I saw it because I don't think I've yeah. been at that one. Um, yeah, he's just running down like the um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> running, it? running through this sort of changing room, he's got his. Jeremy Clarkson kind of blue jeans on. Yeah. His sort of uh, sandy coloured caterpillar boots and his black just... sort of TNT referee
0: and yeah. he's tucking himself <laughs> in as he's running past. <laughs>
1: oh, he's he's a good egg. I mean he does look like old man steptoe in the face, but he is he's such a good egg. He gets he does get a bit of abuse, but Max is he's, he's a good egg. He's definitely a good egg.
0: Yeah. We've had we've had our differences. He doesn't hold his beer very well. Um, but, yeah, it, in, inside, like,
1: he's got a heart of gold. He yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I I was literally going to go through to, like, this sort of final segment of the show, but you've just made something click in my head. What? Would, it have, would it have been the... No, actually, let me think, let me think. Because when we were saying earlier in the show, you, you've done a couple shows for me, you yeah. crashed my house one time because, you, obviously, you fell asleep. That's um, the last time we saw each other. Yeah, you fell asleep in, in the, the, the chair of my sort of living room. Yeah. But you were, in your, you were in your normal gear, and you came to the... I assume you came to the pub with us after, and all it, this sort I, of... It was purposely just so we could go out on the piss. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. So that that's maybe that's where we're getting it confused. You, you, you've you been at my shows, but you've worked one show. Yeah, essentially. I um, yeah, you came up on your own, and said, I've got to drive back, I can't drink. I was like, mate, just crash my house. Plenty of sofas and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, cool. And we, it wasn't yeah, we went so far. I shared a bed with Dave This, Yep. This Well, you fell asleep in the, the chair in the lounge because we've got yeah, a picture
0: I of I was like, fucked.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, if people come to the press in a few after parties, we, we like to party. We, yeah, we go balls to the yeah, wall. Like, Old oh, 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 Brown
0: Jerk, I think it was. Is that
1: the yeah, place? It was- is even if the, the Jug or the And is the Rigger when Max was here. If I remember this. Yeah, we've correctly. been to the
0: Rigger a few times, but I believe it was all Brown Jug first. And I think we tried to walk up to the Rigger, but they'd stopped letting in or they were shutting by the time we got there. Yeah, some, we're going to have to walk sense. all the way back fucking down again.
1: But, like, the, the Max Davies... So, I know he's refereed one of our shows. I'm yep. relatively certain on that. I think he did some bit with... He did a segment with Pitbull. He took a battery in. And yourself and Max, and I swear there's someone else, there's a third person, but I don't remember for life, on I me mean, who it was. Um, but you all came out after the show. Maybe it was Steve Saxon. Yeah, we did go to the rig. I was drive.
0: I, I, I've always, I'm the one that drives out of everyone, so I was always Desi.
1: Yeah, that, that's what it must be, because remember... Is that yeah, when he, Max tried to hit someone with a pork cue in the rigger? It was, and um, cause remember, like, um, there's, like, some takeaways over the road from the rigger, so no yeah, there is. What one or two of you went go get takeaways? I remember seeing Maxie's face; like he was gone. Like it just, his eyes had turned to piss holes in the snow. Yeah. There was actually no, nobody home. That just
0: reminded of me that day, that night. Sorry, we were driving, but I was driving back from Stoke, and it was me, Saxon in the front, Chris Dutton and Max Davis in the back, and I was driving up the M6 at the speed limit obviously because it was you know unreasonable and you know I don't, I don't speed and we were absolutely ripping max absolutely ripping him and we had to stop ha- uh, on the hard shoulder of the m6 because max needed a fucking chunder so oh no. he got out on the side of the road chundered everywhere And then because he got when he got back in the car, me and Sax then were relentless, just ripping him even even further to the point. He got that angry. He tried to grab Sax in the front and get through into the front of the car (laughs) while I was driving down the M6. I was like, Max, get the fuck back in your seat now or we're going to (laughs) crash. He's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So when you say he was gone, his eyes were like piss holes, and he literally was he doesn't even remember doing it. He claims <laughs> <laughs> hilarious.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, like when, when we go to the you know, the brown jog or we go to the rig for the after show parties. Um, like I've got yeah. You know, I take quite a bit of money to shows because I, I, we've had a, like a show very early doors where we didn't have enough money in our pockets to pay everything. And since then, I've got more than enough on me to cover. If nobody shows up, like zero people show up, yeah. I can pay everything off because I never well, want that be. embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't want that embarrassment to have to ask yeah, any favors and whatever. So, yeah, we dropped the stuff at my house. We're like, you know what? We'll just let's head straight out. And. When we go, yeah, we go to the bar and like, oh, how much a shots of sours? Oh, it's it's a pound a shot for sours, um, or you can get like six for a fiver. You're like, all right, cool. Can we have? And I just pull some money out of my pocket and go sixty Bless quid. Many. <laughs> and like, you want sixty quid's worth of shots? Yes. And at one point, I think we had like a hundred and forty shots on our table. Crazy. It's rid- yeah, it's re- it's ridiculous. We 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 like to celebrate, and yeah, I remember Max was playing pool with someone like yeah, the rigger, You put your fifty p down, whatever, and you take on whoever's just won. Yeah, winner yeah. state kind of thing. And yeah, like I swear, I remember being I don't know if he'd hit someone with a cue because he was too hit,
0: but he was he was at the point where if someone didn't step in, he was
1: going <sighs> to. He, he is That's the, the sort of the epitome of small man syndrome, Napoleonic. Yeah. <laughs> He's lovely, but he is like that little scrappy do character. Let me at him. Let me at him. Yeah, he's, he's kind of got that about him. Yeah, Bless him. Speaking of fighting, I, one thing, sorry to cut you off. I just thought I, did, I
0: never touched on the fact that from our years of wrestling training, we went, obviously, I did the referee on the side. We never actually touched on the fact that I did have one wrestling match. He wasn't I on actually, an official card. It was at a carnival show. Which obviously uh, anyone who knows anything about the carney scene is where most people, most trainees go to, to you know, hone their craft and learn. You know, it's the first sort of taste of any uh sort of public events that you get to do. Um and it was a carny show in my hometown, uh where well, my birthplace, and I was in a six-man tag match. I wore rhyloid pleather. Trousers, which were actually Steve Satkins before that And a Wales rugby top That was slightly too small So my belly stuck out the bottom <laughs> <laughs> And I can't remember Who was in the match now I think it was me A couple of the BWP trainees And then I was again, Me and one of the BWP Against uh, I think it was Phil Dixon The Scouse Lad and John Newton What's his, yeah. uh, What's his gimmick again
1: Oh, the, uh, the
0: politician one Miles Johnson. That's him. <laughs> That's it was uh, yeah against those two, and I remember uh, winning the match with a really shit spear, and then getting on the turnbuckle like I'd won WrestleMania, and then uh, there's a few family members in the crowd. I was absolutely sweating my bollocks off because it was in the middle of summer, and I just remember like just hugging my family like I'd just won WrestleMania. It was the best <laughs> moment of my life.
1: So I I was I didn't know that you'd you'd had a, an actual proper match. No, but I I'm gonna have to ask. Like take you know, taking bumps and wrestling, do you reckon that you made the right decision going into refereeing? Or is there a bit of you that says, I really wanted to wrestle more? I
0: really wanted to wrestle more.
1: Oh, okay. But, but... I'm a lazy shit and I hate exercise. I mean, you, like, do you are you still doing the chefing, or have you moved on from the chefing? You never really see thin chefs; they're usually quite stocky.
0: I was uh, no, I haven't, I haven't been uh, chefing since I've been wrestling, or since I was in training. I didn't oh, okay. quit chefing in the December of 2015, and then started training in the April of 2016. Because I was working weekends so I didn't get a
1: chance to do any of the training and stuff. Oh, yeah. It sort of went hand in hand. I mean, when you're in, you're in your 30s now, mate. Everything sort of slows down and uh, all this sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah. Um, I'd say t- take the easier life and as much as I'm sure you're missing not actually doing the wrestling.
0: Yeah. The, 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 and the wrestling
1: and everything wrestling. else that's going on kept me occupied and kept me in, in the
0: business and kept me in the loop. So it's not, it's not so bad it's only when you asked the question and, and said to look back and do you ever regret and absolutely yeah i do uh,
1: well you know it, it's all it's all about the future yeah, it's all about trying new stuff because i don't, like have you thought about trying your hand at either commentary or announcing i don't feel like i've got the voice for
0: commentary commentary or announcing my uh my lisp is quite impairing to to what i can do i don't feel like i have a you know I feel like commentary needs to be quite clear and concise, and I don't feel I could offer that, especially in the uh, if I was uh, calling matches, you know, in the moment, I'd get quite stumbly over my words or use
1: wrong words or probably swear quite a few times. That that's part of me. I mean, Mary, um, used to. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I mean, I've got like a little bit of a speech impediment, you know, so a bit of a lisp and all this sort of stuff. So. When uh, Unstoppable Wrestling came and asked if wanted to uh, you know, announce their shows, I'm like, "Um, I'm okay. I mean, I suppose I can do that. I mean, you know, and I just just do the best as you know, what yeah. I can. I mean, I'm not the by you know, no means my on par with a magic with a magic mark, Kira Moran, uh, Mike Angus, even you know Kim Rocks, and uh, even Leanne as well. You know, like yeah, all these people." far better than me, but I know I can offer what I lack in that uh sort of monolithic speech tone, you know, that sort of the, the the how would the thing kind of what you imagine you know, announces should sound like well I kind of lack in that sort of stuff. I can make up for in other ways, you know, it would be a bit cheeky and all this other stuff, so even if you don't necessarily think you sound like an announcer, I'm sure like you did with the, the, the role in Britannia Wrestling, I'm sure you'd make it your own. Commentary yeah. like with the headset on, a bit more difficult I find commentary really fucking difficult, but announcing you can just have some fun with people Yeah, um, I never tried uh,
0: any of them to be honest Um so who, who knows what the future holds, maybe it's something I could dabble in um God, God, I don't know what's going to be uh, in store for me in the future of wrestling anyway. Like I said, I took that time off. I'm quite enjoying my time away from it. I enjoy having my weekends free. I enjoy doing things. So if I go back to it, I don't know. I
1: don't know. Yes, I've I missed, mean, it, but Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a weird thing. It's a weird business to be in because you know, for the most part, there's going to be five of you and a Fiat fucking Punto with your bags on your knees, You've just finished one job. Um, you've just jumped straight in the car. You've got some McDonald's food that you've probably spent ten quid on, and someone's someone's in the car has got fucking Tupperware and it's stinking the entire car out. Yeah. You drive to a show. You get a bit sweaty. You get knackered. You earn twenty quid. Then you drive home knackered and you stink. So it's a weird business to be in, but we all just seem to love doing it for some reason. Yeah, it's weird. And it just gets you. But um, speaking of the future, I do want to move you into the final sort of segment of the podcast.
0: Absolutely. Um, we might going to do another podcast. You know, I've got so much more I could talk about.
1: I, 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 we always leave some meat on the table. You know what I mean? I right. like, always want to do a part two, part three. We always want to do that. So we kind of do... The sort of bare bones of the show, we kind of get some shits and giggles in. But, yeah, there's there's always meat on the table for parts two, three, four, five, whatever you want to do. So this is something that I kind of learned in one of my day jobs in the office, which I fucking hated when I was working in the office. But I think it applies to life and applies to professional wrestling. Maybe now more than ever, it's called Stop, Start, Continue. Now, in in the office environment, the always management kind of put that to you and it's really contrived and it's really bullshit and they're just trying to justify your own job. You know yeah. what I mean, it's one of those things. But what I want from you, uh, I want you to say one thing in the wrestling business that you think we need to stop doing, one thing in the wrestling business we need to start doing, and also one thing in the wrestling business you think we need to continue. So something that we do really well or something that you are proud of that we that we do in this business. Something along those kind of lines. So a stop, start and continue. It might sound cliche as fuck, but I'm going to say it anyway. But the stop
0: has to be, you know, based on the back of the speaking out movement and everything else that's going on. Just stop being weird, creepy, rapey little freaks and just leave people alone. Don't groom people. Don't be horrible to people. Don't assault people. Just stop it. Just be a decent human. We touched on it earlier. Be nice to people. There's no need yeah. for it. I, I, if anyone says anything otherwise, then that's fair, fair enough to them. But it's something that, in all honesty, I don't think will ever go away. You know, how it's one of them problems that are always going to exist. It's, it pains me to say, but it's never ever going to go away in the world. Not just in the wrestling business, in the world. It's... It's horrible. It's grim. It's sick. I don't understand why people do see the need to do it, but they do. But if I could, st- if I could stop something, then absolutely, let's, let's get rid of that. There's no need for it.
1: I mean, like you definitely went into dad mode then. And you're like, just stop it. I was like, yeah, yeah that's that's definitely dad mode. down. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've done it. We've done a stop. Now yep. we need a start. What is something we need to start doing in this business? What we should start doing in this business?
0: Um, oh, you see, you put me on the spot, and I sound like a retard
1: now because I'm thinking and I'm ermin and an and I'm like, Wait, that, that, that's what that's what wrestling's about. That's what I'm about. I'm all about the improv. I'm all about just doing it. You know, just just winging. Actually, do you know what I think?
0: We as a community should start doing this. Stop taking ourselves so fucking seriously. Wrestling's supposed to be fun, wrestling's supposed to be enjoyable, it's supposed to be entertaining. And I feel that the industry is sometimes just too serious.
1: Like start enjoying it to start
0: It's not about it's not about having five star matches on every single slot of the card. It's not about being, you know, just everyone seems to want to be WWE doing, you know, New Japan style matches every single match. But that's not what wrestling's about. Wrestling's supposed to be an entertainment show and there's different forms of entertainment. We've touched on it already throughout the, the the podcast. But there's different levels that people want out of wrestling. So just start enjoying what you're doing. You know, don't I think you've got it down to a T. You know, you have amazing matches, you tell amazing stories, but you also have a laugh with it. And for me, I like that out of wrestling. I do like the good matches, but there's a you don't need every match being a five-star match. Yeah. There's, there's,
1: there's, no place, there's no place for it. Oh, man. I, if you were here right now and we didn't have the possibility of killing each other, I would give you such a kiss. <laughs> it's true. That, that's it I, very that, true. It's very true. It's my opinion. Sorry, it's not true. It's my opinion. That's how I feel.
0: Uh, and the last one being continue. Yes. Yeah, so um, something that-
1: you're either proud of or something that we as a business, as a wrestling society I suppose, something we do well, whether it's in comparison to sports or film or TV take that however you want to take it, something we need to continue doing
0: It almost goes hand in hand with uh, the first point, you know, continue looking out, I said about how much of a family aspect the wrestling business is, Continue, continue that, we don't, because of everything that's happened, we don't want to lose that still be friendly with people, still have a laugh with people, you know, still make bonds and connections to people. You know, that, that's massive part of this industry, the family aspect of it. Just continue, continue being nice, continue making friendships, continue making memories.
1: Mate, absolutely perfect, absolutely perfect. So I like putting people on the spot with this stop, start, continue, because as much as I hated hearing it day in, day out, and meetings and working on all that sort of thing, we get some really good answers. I mean, my personal one uh, for, for continue that I kind of put out on, a, on an episode or two ago was other shows need to start putting food in the locker room. Now it doesn't have to be that much. We're just talking so a bit of fruit, some crisps. Yeah. Like how much? How much does a twenty pack of multi pack of crisps cost? Quid. from like Aldi or something? It's. You know what I mean just? Yeah, I, I get mean, that. So, Sorry,
0: I, I've got more for philosophical, philosophical with my answers. But yeah, I suppose there is things <laughs> that can be done. I, I'm, I'm just and thinking about chugging
1: food into my face because I'm a, yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a fatty these days. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, I mean, ten quid on food and. Yeah, you keep a lot of people happy. They're busting their ass and sweating their guts out for you. So exactly. a bit of a bit of crisps, a bottle of water, a, maybe a banana or something, some biscuits. Yeah, and yeah. people will be... The, the amount of difference and the amount of smiles that will pop on people's faces, other fucking wrestling promotions, put some fucking food in the locker rooms. Yeah, that's my one. Definitely yeah. my one. Okay. Um, so obviously... We've kind of come to a close. It's been a bit stop, start, continue. When people obviously listen to this, it'll all be one show. But ladies and gents, we have had like three or four different segments of this show. We've had to kind of go back <laughs> a little bit. So We've had major Skype issues. Skype is playing sort of hell with us. You um, should not know it was going to be like this film. Nothing's easy with me around. Nothing's easy with me. I mean, it, it did the same with Steve Saxon's episode. It, it kept going out a little bit. So maybe it's Welsh internet. Maybe it's Stoke internet. Maybe it's a bit of both. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe. Who even knows? Now, usually at this kind of point when we sign off, I say to the um, uh, my, my guest, have you got anything that you want to promote? It seems a bit strange kind of asking you that. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But- is there anything that you so say if... I tell you what, I haven't got
0: anything to promote, but if anyone is listening to this in terms of looking to get into the industry, yes, I wasn't in it for a great deal of time, three, four years. Uh, you, you seem to think I achieved a lot in that time. Looking back and speaking about it, I didn't even touch on some of the stuff I've done and accomplished, so I can maybe agree to that to some extent. But take your opportunities. Just because you might not like doing something or want to do it, just take it, do it. Just anything that someone has enough of a, you know, take to anyone that's going to take a chance on you or gives has some belief in you to do a job, do it and do it to the fucking best of your ability. Give anything, any task that you're given a hundred percent. And then as long as you know that you've tried your best, no one else can say anything against that. Mate,
1: I, I don't think I could fucking, I could put it better than that. You know what? That's such a great, positive optimistic outlook if i carry on talking i'm going to end up ruining it so i think that is the perfect line to absolutely end (laughs) this episode on mate it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you it's always is now i know that as much as you're enjoying your sort of downtime i know what i'm like and i know what you're like so it's only going to be a matter of time before shows are back and we'll say johnny we're going, to, we're going to try it. Johnny B. Goodman is, is not very off into the sunset yet. Still <laughs> well, we'll see, won't life. we? Yeah, there's still plenty of life left in you. And I think, knowing how much fun I had being that manager, because that was my bread and butter for so many years, I think you're going to have so much fun doing it. It's going to be scary as fuck, but I know you're going to enjoy it. And there'll be people that you connect with, the people that you won't necessarily connect with, but you still want to manage them. And that's just the whole... Ride of of being in that of being in that manager role, and I think at some point, whether it takes a couple of months, whether it takes a couple of years, or whatever ten years from now, I think you're going to do it at some point. And I don't think you're going to stop until I do. So oh, nope! One more, one more Skype issue right before That's we it. fucking sign. Well, That's I know the, yeah, the fans are going to get love giving you shit when you do it, so you're going to enjoy doing it. And the fans are going to love you doing it as well. So, don't close that door just yet. Just kind of put it on the latch. Absolutely.
0: You
1: know I mean? Super. My mate, back honestly, door's this, always this... open. <laughs> we're
0: back to Kim Rocks again now, won't we? There we go.
1: There this, we are going to have
0: to leave it there. We could, Honestly, we're tangent, we'll tangent all the way till next week.
1: This is what yeah. happens
0: when you leave it over a year in speaking to me. It's your yeah, fault. Sorry,
1: mate, I do apologise. Like To be fair, it's, it's been nuts. It's really it been has nuts. been nuts. It has been. Yeah. Um, But thank you very much for having me on.
0: Thank you very much for you know. I know you put the post out there who would like to do it. You didn't have to choose me. Like, what's he got? What story has he got to tell? But um, it it feels nice to be able to just chat about
1: shit that I've done. So even though we say that, yeah, obviously we're going to do a part two at some point and all this sort of stuff. To go from being a fan to being a co-booker for a, a promotion within three or four years that's the story I wanted and I'm so glad I managed to get you on because I want people to hear this about you because even if they don't necessarily uh, know you or seen you you've got a journey that no one else can really tread in those same footsteps it'll always be different every time so honestly John it's been an absolute fucking it's been an absolute blast for me to get you on so I'm very very glad that we did thank you so much Phil Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and we'll definitely catch
0: up again soon
1: uh, so, uh, ladies and gents, this has been Series 3, Episode 12 of the Person Few podcast, Snap, Crackle, and Cheap Pops. He's been Johnny B. Goodman. I've been Mr. Phil Woodvine. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening.
0: Check out Pro Wrestling for You on all social media platforms and stream our bad catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.